All right. Hey, y'all fired up this morning. Man, you, are you ready to jump into God's word? Man, let the word of God, the truth of God just get in us and through us. Man, leave here and live it out. Y'all ready this morning? Amen. All right. <clears throat> Kenneth Scott Latteret, he was kind of a, a Christian historian of a couple generations ago. Brilliant guy. Here's what he said. As the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life that has ever lived on this planet. Why? What makes Jesus the most influential life that has ever lived? Well, by the end of today's sermon, I hope you will grab a hold of the answer to that question. I hope it'll be clear to you. You know, the Bible is 100% about the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, the Old Testament records the preparations for his coming. The gospels present him as God in human flesh. Jesus, who came to save us from our sin, Acts, the message of the gospel, goes over the whole world. The epistles uh, give us detailed theology of Christ's work through his body, the church. And then finally, the book of Revelation presents Jesus on his throne, reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. Every part, every word of the scripture is about Jesus Christ. You, you see it all through the scripture. You You see it when he confronted the religious leaders. Look what he told them. You search the scripture because you think they give you eternal life, but the scripture point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. After the resurrection, when Jesus was walking with a couple guys on the road to Emmaus, look what he said. Um, Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. That's the Old Testament, the entirety of the Old Testament. Explaining from the scripture the things concerning him. He's saying everything from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus, here's what it is. There's a scarlet thread, the blood of Jesus that goes through the entire scripture. The entire scripture proclaimed God loves you, and he sent his son, Jesus, to save us from our sin. You can't miss that message. But when you look at all of the Bible's teaching about Jesus, I believe that none is more significant than our text for today in Colossians 1. These dramatic and powerful verses remove any needless doubt or confusion over Jesus's true identity. So last week we started the study of the book of Colossians. Uh, I'm calling it uh, standing strong in an age of deception. In today's text, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see four things that exist in the Lord Jesus Christ that are crucial to our understanding of who he is. So let's pray then we'll jump in. Father, I just thank you for everyone who's here. They don't have to be here, God. They don't have to be listening at home, but they're here. And God, I I pray now that by your mercy and by your grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you reveal your truth to us about you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. 
Amen. So here's the first thing. In Jesus exists the majesty of our creator. Colossians 1 verse 15. Christ is the invisible image of the visible God. Now stop right there. We can't even get through one sentence that, man, these powerful words need some explanation. God is spirit, so you can't see him right? God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is Spirit. The Father, you can't see Him. You can't see the Holy Spirit. Jesus is how God reveals Himself to us in a visible way. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is God's way of showing us who he is. And, and so that word image, it doesn't mean uh, like a reflection. So if you look in the mirror and there's an image of yourself, it doesn't mean a reflection like in a mirror. It means the exact thing in substance. Um, the writer of Hebrews makes this really clear for us. Look at Hebrews 1.3. And he is, this is talking about Jesus, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus is the exact reality of God given to us in a visible form. Okay, back to Colossians one, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He exists before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So uh, in the city there of Colossae, and this is true so much in today's world. One of the false teachings uh, that created confusion there in the church in Colossae uh, and still taught today in many places that Jesus is a part of God's creation, but Jesus is not the creator God. That is false, false, false heresy. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Um, so, not only did Jesus create everything we can see, the earth, the galaxies, the universe, everything physical, but he also created everything that we can't see. Um, last week, uh, we had a little peek into what's visible and what's invisible. Let me just remind you, in, in last week's text... For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. So, man, we learned last week that God, before we were believers, before we put our faith in Jesus, we resided in the kingdom of darkness. We lived with deceived hearts, but God picked us up, saved us, transferred us to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. I mean, so you get, there are kingdoms that exist in this world that we can't see. When God created everything, by the power of his word, he created things we can see and things we can't see. There are kingdoms of angels. And so when God created the world, he created 
heavenly beings. And we don't know exactly when or how this happened, uh, but sometime after creation and before the fall of man, there was a, a rebellion in heaven, and the, the kind of the most glorious angel that God created, Lucifer, rebelled. He wanted to be God. He didn't want to just serve God. He wanted to be God, and he convinced a third of the angels to follow him, and there was a rebellion in heaven, and those fallen angels are what we call demons. So there are angels and demons in this unseen world that affect our lives in all kinds of ways all the time. By the way, angels worship and adore the Lord God Almighty. Demons hate him. But it shouldn't surprise us that part of God's creation hates him. Just look around. Back to Colossians, verse 16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers. By the way, that suggests that there are levels of authority in the unseen world. Satan is their leader. Thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Here we go now. Everything was created through him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I mean, that's when you should go, wow. I mean, everything seen and unseen was created by Jesus. Not only was it created by Jesus, it was created for Jesus. All creation reflects the glory of Jesus. So that's why you read things in the Bible like Psalm 19 that says, the heavens declare his glory. So all of the glory of, of, of space and, and, and the universe, all of that is just declaring the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, not, Jesus uh, does not just, get this, it's important. Jesus does not just declare the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. He is the creator God. That's why all his creation declares his glory. Everything was created by Jesus. Everything was created for Jesus. And he holds all things together. Uh, there was a renowned nuclear physicist. And uh, he was such a popular guy and such a good public speaker that he was invited all over the country to speak at colleges and universities. And uh, so he did that all the time. And he had the same chauffeur that kind of drove him around everywhere. And um, so the chauffeur heard his speech so much about nuclear physics that he pretty much memorized it. He got kind of tired of hearing it. And he could kind of tell this renowned professor was getting kind of tired of saying it all the time. So he said, hey. Next place we go, why don't we switch places? You be the chauffeur, put on my little outfit, sit down in the audience, and I'll give your speech. He said, well, that'd be fun. Let's do it. So sure enough, he stands up. The, the dean of the college uh, introduces him. He gives the speech. But the chauffeur spoke a little faster than the professor, and so it didn't take quite as much time. So the dean stands up and says, well, we have a little time left. Uh, why don't we have some Q&A? 
And so the chauffeur is uh, getting a little nervous. And so one of the students stand up and say, uh, says, uh, Professor, can you answer this question for me? <clears throat> you know, cells are electrically charged. They have protons, electrons, and neutrons. And, and they're electrically charged. And those protons should repel each other because they're positively charged. But they don't. They just stay together. Could you explain that to me? And the chauffeur, kind of acting like he's the professor, says, you know... I can't believe you asked that question. It is such a stupid elementary question. Anybody can answer that question. What are you even doing in this university? How'd you even get in here asking a stupid question like that? In fact, it's so stupid, I'm going to get my chauffeur up here to answer that question. (laughs) The most brilliant nuclear physicist can't answer the question. What holds that cell together? But I can. You know what holds that cell together? The Lord Jesus. He not only made all things, but he sustains them. He holds it all together. Jesus is the glue of the galaxies. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of everything that exists. I mean, think about that. The earth is 93 million miles from the sun. If it were a little bit closer, we'd burn up. If we were a little farther away, we would freeze. If it wasn't tilted on its axis just at the right degree, we couldn't have seasons and the earth couldn't sustain life. Wow. And that's just our solar system. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. I mean, think about that. Light travels so fast that we can't measure it without creating what we call a light year. So light travels 186,000 miles every second. Light travels 186,000 miles. So in order to measure how far light can travel, uh, scientists created what we call a light year. So light traveling at 186,000 miles a second, the distance that it travels in a year is a light year. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, y'all thought that was just a candy bar, didn't you? The Milky Way galaxy is so wide that it takes 100,000 light years with light traveling at 186,000 miles a second to travel across the Milky Way galaxy. And there are billions of galaxies in the universe. And the Bible says that God measures that with the width of his hand. (laughs) That's who God is. Wow. You see, all of it, all of that was created by Jesus and it is all held together by Jesus, by his hand. But I want you to know how personal all that is. Look in your outline, John chapter 1. In the, beginning was the, in the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. That kingdom of darkness can never overcome the light of the Lord God Almighty. Now look at verse 14. So the Word, Creator God, 
the Lord Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You get this. The eternal God of creation, the one who measures the expanse of the universe by the width of his hand. The Lord Jesus became a human so you could know God. Here's another thing that exists in Jesus. The supremacy of our Lord. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the, be- he is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. So Jesus was the first to rise from the dead. And because he conquered death, we can conquer death too if we put our faith in him. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus is Jesus' church. We are the body. He is the head. That's how church is supposed to function. Um, Here's a great picture of what church is supposed to look like. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Instead, uh, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I mean, man, isn't that a a great picture of what church should be? Don't you love being a part of a church that's healthy and growing and full of love? So here's a great question. Why don't most churches look that way? Because they either don't acknowledge Jesus as head of the church or they try to be the church, the head of the church themselves. You see, anything with no head is dead. Anything with two heads is a freak. I'm so thankful for OBC where Jesus is the head and we are his body. Here's another thing that exists in Jesus, the power of the cross. Colossians 1, 19. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. That's Jesus is God in the flesh. And through him... God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of, the, of Christ's blood on the cross. Powerful words. You, you, you see, sin wrecked everything about God's creation. And Jesus reconciled what sin wrecked. That's what he did. How did that happen? Look in your outline of Philippians chapter 2. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble 
position of a slave. Let that sink in a minute. And was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Stop right there a second. That's why Jesus came. Our sin separates us from God. And Jesus, his death on the cross, reconciled us back to God. Jesus came to pay the penalty of death of our sin. Jesus came to die our death so we could be reconciled to God. And he did it because he loves you. And because he's the only one who could do it. Verse 9. <laughs> therefore, because of all that, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Look what Jesus did. You understand the power of the cross that exists in Jesus because he's the only one could, who could have died that death. And he left the glory of heaven because he was God Almighty. And he put on flesh. And became a slave. So we could have eternal life. We must never forget. The power of the cross. The cross forever answers the question. Does God love us? One more thing exists in Jesus. The love of our Savior. Colossians 1.21. This includes you. All of that. This includes why? why? I, mean, I don't deserve that. Right. Grace. And this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. You know, and, and yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Jesus had to become flesh to die. But you must continue. By the man, I mean, let that sink in. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. 
You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. What? And I, Jesus looks at me without a single fault? Blameless? As a side note, if God doesn't blame the people around you, could you please stop? But it doesn't stop there. Verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Hmm. Isn't it something? Doesn't it say something about the power of our flesh? I mean, even when we know all those things about Jesus, even when we believe him, we can drift. We can stop looking in the mirror and start pointing our finger at everybody else. You want to know what's wrong with my life? There he is. Wow. We drift so easily. That's why God says, stand strong. Don't be deceived. Man, if you want to keep from drifting, you got to embrace Jesus for who he is. Jesus isn't to be prominent in our life. Jesus is to be preeminent in our life. Jesus doesn't just show us the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus doesn't just tell the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus doesn't just give life. He is life. Jesus alone reveals the Father. Jesus alone rules this universe. Jesus alone reconciles the lost. I love what Adrian Rogers said. To explain Jesus is impossible. To ignore Jesus is disastrous. To deny Jesus is fatal. So how do we respond to all of that? Here's how we respond. We receive him as Lord and Savior. Jesus came to give you life. But it doesn't happen automatically. You've got to believe. You've got to acknowledge who he is and what he's done. Look at this. John 1, 11. He came into his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive them, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Look at this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's preeminent, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So maybe you're here right now. Maybe you're watching online. And for the first time, it's kind of sinking in who Jesus is.
what he's done. And he loves you. And he wants you to receive his gift of eternal life because if you don't, you will die and spend eternity in hell. So maybe right now you're saying, I get that. What, what do I do? So I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're at home, just do the same thing. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, just as sincerely as you can, can you pray this? Jesus, I believe you. I believe you left the glory of heaven, became flesh just so you could die for me. I believe you rose again three days later and that you're alive right now and you're right now because you conquered death are offering me a gift of eternal life. And Jesus, right now, I am accepting your gift of eternal life. Thank you for saving me. Amen. So if you're here right now, if you're at home and you just ask Jesus to save you, just take your phone right now and just text BELIEVE to the number on the screen. It is such an important thing. Man, this is a day Jesus took you out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his dear son. He made you his child just now. But that's not the only way we respond. Here's another way we respond. Worship him with all of our hearts. You see, it's so easy to worship so many things in our life. And forget who Jesus is. Forget he made all that possible. I I love Psalm 95. Look at this. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. Man, I love that. The seas belong to him, for he made it. His, his hand formed the dry land to come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over. The flock under his care. If you would only listen to his voice today. Wow. God is speaking to us, speaking to us, speaking to us. If we would only listen to his voice today, you know what the result would be? We'd worship him all the time, everywhere we go, no matter what's going on, we'd be hearing him. And when we hear him, it's a personal voice. It's a real voice. It's a mighty voice, and we would worship him. How about this? We receive him as our Lord and Savior. We worship him with all of our heart, and we submit to him with a surrendered life. You know, you really can't worship him until you submit to him. You get that right. 
I mean, that's why Jesus said, if you come to worship and you got somebody against somebody, go make it right before you come to worship. I mean, because you really can't worship Jesus until you have submitted to him. Do you understand who Jesus is? Do you understand? Do you see it? What he's done for you. Do you understand his great love for you? Live for him. Live for him. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Jesus, we are overwhelmed at who you are, what you've done. And God, the only proper response to that is to worship you. And God, that means submitting to you with all of our hearts and lives. God, I pray that as we leave here today, we'll have only one thing on our mind. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.